Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. We'd like to welcome in Charles Barkley to Bald Men on Campus. By the way, Charles, the reason we're having you on the show is not because you're powerfully talented, but it does help to get you early in the, in the broadcast. I have to admit that. Well, you know, as I sent you a text the other day, I was a little disappointed in you guys. None of y'all picked Auburn as the number one team in the world. I watched the show. I sent Seth the text. I said, yo, man, none of y'all picking Auburn number one. And I was, no. and I was pissed. So y'all lucky I'm doing your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Chuck, you're down there. You're down there quite a bit. I was there when you were down there the day uh, I went and watched practice. What makes Bruce Pearl different at Auburn? You know, has he ever told you the story about me and him? No. I don't know Bruce Pearl, but I'm studying teams. Like right now, I'm starting to watch about three college games a day getting ready for March Madness. I wait to the turn of the year. I watched a couple games here or there that's been on y'all network. But now I'm starting to really study and learn, learn something about the smaller schools. So I never met Bruce Pearl. This means at Tennessee. I called to Tennessee, and I leave him a message saying, Coach, I don't know you, but, man, I, you're one of the best coaches I've seen at making in-game adjustments. Cause, and he kept the message seven years and played the day he got hired at Auburn. So the, I guess the point I'm making is, Seth, he is one of the best in-game adjustment guys yeah. that I've been ever been around. You know, and I've said this on television, I says, Man, some of these college coaches can't coach a lick. They let a, I says, because you, you know, Fonz knows, Jay knows, and you know. Like, you got to make in-game adjustments. In a seven-game series, we make so many adjustments from game one to two to three, four. I'm sitting here watching some of these college games. I'm like, yo, man, they just ran the same play five times in a row and got a layup or a wild them shot every time. Clearly, you're going to change up your defense, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, you're going to change it. They don't change it, and it drives me crazy. But I never have to worry about that uh, when, when I'm watching Bruce's teams. And one thing he does really good, he, he'll experiment with lineups. He's not married to any lineup. <laughs> like He's like, no, 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 this ain't working, this ain't working. And that takes tremendous trust as a coach, but it takes tremendous trust from your players. What do you think of Jabari Smith so far? You know, uh, the first time I saw him was with Coach Greenberg, and I was like, wow. He's got a great – he got a great shooting touch. And surprising, he's a great – most big guys aren't great free throw shooters. He's got a great motor, probably a little bit much too much of a motor. I try to calm him down. Like, yo, man, you can't help us sitting on the bench because he, he's so active. He's in foul trouble. I said, yo, man, you can't help us sitting on the bench. Stop fouling. He laughs at me every time. <laughs> but I tell you, I just love his motor. Uh, I love his shooting touch. He's going to be – he's made for today's game. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, today's game, you know, you have to be able to guard multiple positions because teams don't play defense anymore. They just switch everything. Mm-hmm. And these teams are so dumb – they don't even take advantage of the switch. They just go start jacking up threes. I'm like, hey, we ran a play and there's a 6'10 guy getting guarded by the point guard. Don't step back out there and shoot threes. And but like to get back to my point, I just think he's made for today's game. 
Uh, he's a three, four, two, three, four type guy. He can guard all those positions. And unless you got a dominant center, he probably can guard a guard, guard a guy who's maybe even up to six, six, nine, six, ten, six, eleven. Chuck, how important is Walker Kessler for Auburn to try to win a national championship? I think he's really important because, number one, he's the best interior defender we have. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I love about him, he reminds me – now, before I say this, I'm not, <laughs> comparing, I'm not comparing him to Bill Russell. But Bill Russell always said he hate guys who try to knock the ball in the stands and, and, and scream and everything. Walker Kessler does a fabulous job of being seven feet tall. And people don't understand these kids. It's hard to shoot contested shot. He goes straight up. And I love that. He like, he, he, he's not trying to block shot, knock things in the stands. He makes you shoot over him and he's our best defender in size and inside. But fine. The main thing is you never underestimate size. I've seen him get like, 10 to 15 extra possessions for us because a little guy's trying to box him out. He keeps yeah. the ball alive. So he's been a great addition. All right, let's get to the real stuff here, Chuck. I mean, there's a statue in front of that arena of you. Now, back in the hey, day. Hey, hey, you... listen. And, they, hey, and it cost me a pretty penny to get it, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey. All right. Back in the day, there was no NIL. So basically, you paid for the statue. And now, instead of getting NIL, all right, I like, what would hey, what would your value be today at Auburn with NIL? You know, I always said, Bruce, I always said that they, we're paying all these bums all this money in, in the NBA. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt in my mind, if I played in the NBA today, I'd be going to the game on the spaceship. They, they would, <laughs> hey, I'd be going to the game in a spaceship. Um, I have mixed emotions on the NIL. I really do. Number one, I love these kids. I want all these kids to be taken care of. I wish I want I want them all to be taken care of. But man, I think we are really on a slippery slope right now. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. We're all kind of, we're in the wild, wild west right now. And I think it's going to be interesting going forward because I think we really get in this territory. It's going to be really the haves against the have-nots because the have-not, they ain't going to have any money. The haves always going to have money. And then I think what's going to happen with the kids, you know, these kids are all businessmen now. They're going to say to themselves, well, okay. Let's take basketball for an instant. I only got to be in college for six months. Where can I make the most money in six months? And then the football guys are going to be saying, well, where can I make the most money in three years? And if I'm not in the NFL, where can I make the most money for four years? So I'm concerned about that going forward, to be honest with yourselves. And I, I like I say, I love all the players who go out there and bust their hump. Uh, but man, I, I, I just, we're going to have to sit back and wait and see how this thing turns out because, you know, everybody acts like all these kids are going to start making a ton of money. There's going to be some kids to make a ton of money. I'm pretty, well, I mean, relatively speaking, a ton of money, but man, it's going to be very interesting watching this thing for the next, I'll even say the next two to five years.
Chuck, when you when you think back, you've had an extraordinary basketball life, and uh, and very few players, coaches, whatever, uh, can match it as far as the richness of experience that, that you've had across the game. But when you were at Auburn, it was not just you there. You know, you you had Bo Jackson and Frank Thomas in school at the same time. Uh, what kind like what kind of athlete was Bo Jackson? You saw it up close. Have you ever seen anything like him? Never. And, and Jay, well, the first time I saw Bo was in high school. And the most interesting thing about Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson was the same size in high school through his whole life. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know how guys have growth spurts? Bo didn't have no growth spurts. He was that big in high school. And my high school was really good. And we played them. And he probably scored four or five, six touchdowns but he probably could have had another eight because he was going to get 10, 15 yards on every play, it seemed like. It was beautiful to watch. And then when he came to Auburn, man, we uh, it, it was just – it was breathtaking to see somebody that big. And I actually went and watched him run track a couple times. And to see a guy that big running four threes, four fours, and, you, and like, you're like, that's not possible to be that big and that fast. And then you sit, you sit in our dorms and you watch him. You hear, we just sit there and every time, like when I play golf with Tiger, when like you'll be sitting on the tee box and you'll hear something, what was that? Somebody shoot a gun? <laughs> and, and it would be, and it would be Tiger hitting the track. That's the way it was when we were watching Bo Jackson play baseball. That ball sound totally different coming off his back. <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow. And, and, like, we would just sit there, and it, and it was amazing. And then he had a couple of throws in the outfield. Like, guys wasn't testing Bo's arm. To see him throw guys out, it was it was beautiful, man. And, I, and me and Bo have always been great friends. I will admit this, it did suck at Auburn because those guys, I know, you know how big football is in the South. Like, we'd go to dinner, and they give us, like, bologna, hamburger, hot dogs, and they're like, you guys got to be out of here by seven o'clock. And, you know, I'm starting to get a little following. I think I'm big man on campus, too. They're like, no, y'all got to be out of here by seven. The football team's coming in. And then you see these ladies bringing out steak. They be bringing out lobster. <laughs> and I'm like, we ain't nobody around here. You know, I mean, and, and listen, and that's just the way it is. But I love our school because, because it, they have so much passion if you play there. But I was never on the illusion Football is the, like when I'm walking around with Bo, they're knocking me out. Even today, they're knocking me out the way to get to Bo. And so <laughs> we make a pact that we don't, if we're going to be together, we go somewhere and sit and talk because we, they're knocking me. And, and it's and it's just as bad with Cam Newton, too. <laughs> I mean, that's just how big football is there. And, and I'm proud of that. When you were growing up in Leeds, Alabama, were you an Alabama fan growing up or Auburn fan? What, what was that like? Well, my first recollection of the whole rivalry was Pat Sullivan, who's probably the guy who we leave out the most is one of the greatest ever. First Heisman Trophy winner from Auburn. And they were such underdogs. And when I started like getting into high school, I was like, well, okay. It was what's interesting, Jay. So I was going to like, cause you know, I grew from five ten to six, five in one year. So I had never had a letter from a major school going into my senior year. 
So I grew from 5'10 to 6'5 in one year. So I never got in the letter. So then Alabama, Auburn, UAB, I don't think any other schools, because this is my senior year, so it's kind of late for everybody. So I go down to uh, Birmingham, which is about 25 minutes from my house, and Gene Bartow was there. And what's ironic, they make it to the Sweet 16 that year. And they have everybody come back. And I'm like, whew, this is going to be tough for me to get a chance to play. So then I go down to Tuscaloosa. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from my house. They make it to the Sweet 16. And they got Bobby Lee Hurt coming in and Ennis Wiley. So I go visit Auburn. Auburn's like on a 12-game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, Sonny, I said, Sonny, you got a pen on you? He says, well, you need a pen for it. You're going to sign autographs already? I said, no, I'm signing up to your school because these damn bums out here, I know I can play here. <laughs> hey, 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 guys, 100% true story. Yeah, so what you say? Oh, you signing autographs already? I said, no, coach, I need a pen. I'm coming to this school. These damn bums out here, it's impossible to lose 12 games in a row. Y'all are not playing North Carolina and Duke 12 times in a row. There's some bad <laughs> schools here somewhere along the way, but I know I can play with these dudes. <laughs> hey, what, hey, 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 what did Whip say when you told him you were going to Auburn? That had to be a classic. Well, Whip understood because, like I say, they had they made it to the Sweet 16. They had Eddie Phillips coming back, who played my position. And then at that time, Bobby Lee Hurt was the best big man in the country. So that, so that kind of made my decision, like, I'm not going to go. Because I always, you know, I talk to kids all the time. They would say, what do you think about college? I says. The number one thing about college is getting playing time. As you got to understand something, don't give me the BS about education. If you want to get an education, you're going to get it at any school you want to. I said, but you have to remember this. This is going to be the first time you leave home, especially if you go somewhere far. Uh, and if you don't get to play, not only is sports going to suck, it's probably going to affect your grades. So, you look at that damn roster when you decide where you want to go. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they got new word for it now, trans, uh, transfer portal. I guarantee you going back, if we could go back and redo, we would have had, I don't think it would have been, been as crazy as it now, but I think way more guys would have transferred, transferred, especially if you didn't have to sit out a year. Chuck, I've never asked you this, but but I find it fascinating. So in 1984, you're one of the guys trying out for the United States Olympic team. So you go to Bloomington, <laughs> Indiana, Bob Knight's coaching the team yeah. and, and what, what seems indefensible then and now is, is you didn't make that final team. What, what, what happened? You know, Jay, uh, I, 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 he just didn't like me. I, and I have no idea why <laughs> I, had, I had never met him before. I was, uh, I played great. No, we started out with 120 players. We went 120, 100, 80, 60, 40, 20. And I remember, and I'm like, ain't nobody, ain't but one guy playing better than me there, and that's Michael. And I remember going home, it's me, Carl Malone, John Stockton, and Terry Porter, who all played 15, at least 15 years in the NBA. So I know I was, but he, he just didn't like me. But I'll tell you a funny story. The next week, Coach Smith calls me into his office. He said, hey, John Thompson want to talk to you. And I says, okay. He says, Charles, I just want you to know, I have no idea why Bobby didn't like you. You were the second best player there. And we all pulled for you, but Bobby just had the red ass for you. 
So he hangs up the phone <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, wait, there's some, he says, Charles, I actually thought you were the best basketball player in the country. I said, well, I'm not. <laughs> I said, I'm not. I said, coach, I just met the greatest basketball player. Just this black dude from North Carolina. He's a little bit taller than me. He cannot run everybody. He cannot jump everybody. I said, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He said, what's the name? I said, his name is Michael Jordan. I said, coach. And like, we, we have nobody's really at this point. I mean, Michael's not even Michael at this point. But I said, coach, I ain't never seen nothing like this dude. And then obviously the rest is history. But man, it was, uh, guys, watching this guy, he had like the perfect body. Like I said, he was 6'6", probably weighed about 200 pounds, finished first in all the wind sprints. We know how explosive he was. It was something beautiful to watch. What was the tryout like? Like, what, what was the day-to-day with uh, with Knight and that whole crew? Just two-a-days. But I think if I go back, there's probably been about 50 guys who made the Hall of Fame who was there. I mean, it was really a who's who of – Cause you know, we, you know, in the SEC, we're only playing the guys, you know, guys in Kentucky, guys in Georgia, but like, I think there was probably 50, somebody told me one time, there's about 50 guys who eventually went on to the hall of fame, but wow. it was, it was intense. It was fun. I mean, and like I said, we're only like 1920 at the time. It was, it was, and it was kind of scary because you see guys that you had only seen on television. And then you're like, wow, I can play with these guys. Uh, so it, 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 but it was really a turning point for me, Jay, because, you know, you need some type of reassurance. You know, I, I'm leading the SEC in rebounding my freshman and sophomore year. So that was, it, but I'm only averaging like 12, 13 points a game. So I'm like, kind of like, am I a good player? I'm just a rebounder. So when I got there and was able to play with all those guys, it was a really, a really big moment for me. And Chuck, it's been a while, and I've not gotten a chance to do this uh, in a long time. I just want to tell you thanks. I don't know if you did this with all rookies, but you may remember that during the game when we were playing in Denver, I was posting up. I had my leverage back on you. You moved. I fell down. (laughs) I pulled a chair on your funds. (laughs) And you're like, look, keep your balance. And, And I implemented that, and that was really, really helpful for me for the next two years before I got hurt. So uh, Jennifer tells me to tell you hello because you took great care of us my first two, three years in the league, and I've never got a chance to publicly thank you. So just know you're my favorite player, NBA player of all time, and it added to it with the investment that you made in my life. I appreciate it. Well, number one, thank you for the kind words. Please give my best to Jen and your entire family. Uh, I, I would tell you this. I'm from the old school. Well, Dr. J sit me down. I remember the time. See, so I wasn't getting to play a lot my rookie because guys got to remember I was about 292, 95 pounds in college. So I wasn't getting to play. And me and Moses happened to live in the same building. So I said, Moses, can I come up and see you tonight? He said, sure, big fella, come on up. And I said, Moses, why am I not getting to play? He says, well, you, you fat and you lazy. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? He says, you fat and you lazy. And I was like, I am? He said, Charles, you weigh 292, 95 pounds, somewhere in there. You can't, he said, you got a lot of talent, but you can't sustain it. 
you can't play. You can get away with that crap in college. So I went, uh, and he says, if you want to get in shape, I'll get in shape with you. So I went downstairs to my condo and cried for like a half an hour, like a man. <laughs> and then this is why I love this guy so much. And he worked with me before, after, made me lose. He said, let's lose 10 pounds. So I get to about 290. And I'm, and I can tell after I lost to 10, I'm like, okay. He said, let's go to 280. And now I'm starting to get to play. And he took me to 270, 260, 250. And if it wasn't for him taking me under his wing, I might have ate my way out of the NBA. Mm. But the point I'm making is I'm that, like, when I was on a team, man, when I became the older guy, funds, uh, one of the reasons I try to work with all young guys, I say, yo, man, if you need anything, I'm on the speed dial 24-7. You want to work on your game, I'm here. But Doc, Moses, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Tony, Bobby Jones, wow. those guys, man, they were they were instrumental in me being successful. You know, you said MJ is the best player. Who's the player that you've played with or against uh, in your basketball life that you admire the most? Well, the best, uh, before I answer that question, the best player I ever played against is Kevin McHale. Wow. He was a handful. I mean, he was unstoppable. So he's the best player I played against. As far as respect, I really want uh, uh, Moses is by far away the guy for me because, man, Moses was already one of the greatest ever. He took a 20 some year old, 20 year old kid on this wing and worked out with him and made him lose 50 pounds. He didn't have to do that. Right. I mean, he did not have to do that. I mean, I, and and that changed my whole life, you know. And and, and I and, and I want to bash on this kid. You know, we've been talking about Zion Williamson for the last month, and I said, I wonder who's going to be his Moses Malone because this kid's going to eat his way out of the NBA. I mean, I made the joke when I we saw him a couple months ago. I said, look like me and Shaq had a baby. I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, this dude, this dude is humongous, and. I, he, I hear he's a great kid. I never met him. But when you start having issues with your legs at a young age, I said, yo, man, legs are like a car. You can't you can't drive a flat tire. Mm -hmm. And I wonder who's going to take him under their wing in New Orleans. They don't have no old guys in the NBA like we used to have. Like, <laughs> he got Brandon Ingram, who's like a whole 25, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, who, who's got the courage – and the, and the team is afraid of him because he can leave in a year or two. So I, I hope that he gets some veteran guys around him. It's like, yo, man, you got to stop eating. I mean, first of all, you know how much money you're going to make? All you got to do is stay in shape. They go, mm -hmm. I said, next summer, they're going to give you $180, $90 million. <laughs> right. And like, I said, that's enough right there. I'm not eating for the next year. Until I get my weight. <laughs> you gonna tell hey, me hey, stay hey, away hey, from hey, 10 minutes? Hey, this, yes. Hey, let me tell you something. I got in shape for five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my first contract was four years, two million dollars. Wow. And I was the number five pick in the draft. These guys are hey, and listen, I'm not that old get off my lawn guy. These guys are making 30, 40 million dollars. I'm like, hey. If anybody come around here cooking, I'm gonna beat the hell out of you. I'm going, hey, I'm going without eating. Uh, like, I want that money. Hey, hey, I got in shape for five hundred thousand dollars. Hey, I'm never eating again for thirty five forty million. <laughs> yeah. All right, hey, last thing. 
you got to give us your best Sonny story. Sonny Smith, one of all kind of greatest characters in the history of coaching. I mean, you guys were connected at the hip. I'm sure sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad, but it was always funny, I'm sure. He is, you know, Seth, I really did not start in appreciating Sonny until later. Well, he's like a father's mm -hmm. figure to me now. But, you know, you're 18 and stupid, and you're leading the SEC in rebounding, and he's calling you a fat <laughs> every day. I'm like, yo, man, how many freshmen you know led this league? Like, I was in college for three years and led the league in rebounding every year. But we always talk. And anytime I go to Auburn, we sit around and talk. And he says, you're my biggest regret. I had to learn. He says, I'm from the old school where you treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. He says, if I could go back, you don't treat great players like you do. He says, I'm hard on all my players, and I should have talked to you different coach. It's all right. I was too young and stupid. You were right. I was wrong. So I'll take some responsibility. Sonny is the best storyteller oh. in the world. That is the funniest man. And, and when I was home during the season in Alabama, you know, he's got like two ankles, two knees, two hips, two shoulders. <laughs> And I would go to the gym and he played tennis for 50 years, every single day from 12 to two with these <laughs> other old geezers. <laughs> and I was like, I'd be there and he'd come in and he's iced up and he's got bandages on everything. And then every time I see him, I just got some new hips, Charles. I got some new shoulders. I got some new ankles. I'm like, yo man, quit playing tennis before you die out there on the court. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, you know, so he is, like I say, most of the stories. So he got mad at me because I kept breaking the backboards when I found out they get collapsible. He said, I want you to quit doing that. I want you to quit doing that. And I kept doing it. So he kicked, <laughs> so he kicked me out of practice. He came in and says, are you going to keep doing that? I said, does it make you mad when I do that? He says, it really pisses me off. And I said, well, I'm going to keep doing it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got oh, to tell you, Chuck, I mean, uh, I've admired you as a, a player, a broadcaster, a person for forever. But you might not remember this, but a few years ago, you and I flew to Boston for Sean McDonough's golf tournament. And somehow – you know, your, your travel arrangements got screwed up a little bit. You know, you're sitting in coach. And when we were picking up our bags at baggage claim in Boston, people came up to you. They wanted pictures, autographs. You treated, first of all, you never complained about, you know, what happened, you know, the travel thing. I would have been whining like a little baby, but, but <laughs> you, you, uh, you treated every person that came up to you like a king or queen. And, uh, and you're not only a, a hall of fame player and broadcaster, you are a hall of fame dude. I mean, uh, uh, just grateful for the way you do things and, and really proud to know you. Well, thank yeah. you. Jay. Uh, first of all, if it had been a longer flight, I would have beat the hell out of Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's only like a 45 minute flight from, I live in Philly during the summer. My main house is in Scottsdale, but I live in Philly during the summer. If it had been a long flight, I would beat the hell out of Sean. <laughs> but, but but Jay, I learned that from Dr. Jay. He says, son, always sign autographs, always take pictures. You know, that person may not meet you but one time in their life, and you have no idea what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Just and it takes just take a second to take a picture. 
take the second to sign an autograph. And I've carried that with me, Jay, through my entire life. If anybody asks me for a picture, take the second. Hey, you want an autograph? Good. Because I think a lot of these guys, yo, man, y'all do know we play basketball, right? We're not doctors. Mm-hmm. We're not essential workers. We're mm-hmm. not somebody who's in the service. Those people who I admire and respect. Anybody got the courage to go to war? I admire them. I said, dude, we make millions of dollars for dribbling a stupid basketball. But you, if somebody going to take the time to say, hey, I like what you do, and you just got to give them three to five seconds of light, you, everybody should do that. I get so mad when I'm around young guys. They're like, hey, I'm not signing autographs. I'm like, yo, man, you're a basketball player. Stop taking yourself that serious. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, yeah, okay. Hey, I got a picture right in there from the old, the old Jimmy V golf tournament in Raleigh. Yes. My wife came up, my wife Karen came up to you. We were all hanging out, came up to you and she asked for a picture and it's it's right here downstairs in our house. Well, Karen didn't have any pictures with good looking ball guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Hey, you know, I got the first thing Charles said is what are you doing with him? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I cannot believe they screwed up that Jimmy B golf tournament. That That like we, that was like the number one thing I put on my schedule. That was like the most fun weekend, especially when we did karaoke on Sunday night. Yeah. Like all, <laughs> all the jocks, all the coaches, all celebrities. That was like the most fun weekend of the year. And they somehow screwed it up. I will never forgive them for that. <laughs> that, was a, that, that, was, that was a great weekend. I'll tell you one thing. That really oh, was, it was great. I mean, I think I went 20 straight years. I was like, and then they're like, well, we want to move it to, uh, What's the big golf courses up there? Well, uh, where they play the majors and everything? Oh, Whistling uh, Straits, stuff like that. No, no, no. Uh, it's in no, North no, Carolina, no, right no. up the street by uh, uh, Pinehurst. Oh, Pinehurst, yeah. yeah. And then all the celebrities like, we didn't come here to play golf. We came here to have fun. They're like, well, we can charge more money to the sponsors if we move the tournament to Pinehurst. They're like, yo, man. We didn't come here to play golf. We came here to party in Raleigh for the weekend. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then they moved it, they moved it to Pinehurst, and all the celebrities quit. And the tournament went down the toilet. It was really unfortunate because it was a great tournament. It was great seeing all the celebrities and playing. I mean, I mean, we were hanging out with Coach K. Vavano was alive then. Can. Man, it was great. And they and they screwed yeah. it up. It was really unfortunate. <sighs> Hey, those are good times. Well, hey, we really appreciate you doing this. This is a blast, man. This was no problem, guys. Hey, listen, keep up the great work. I'll be watching. Uh, I'm getting ready. I got a car waiting on me downstairs. I'm going to go drive down to Auburn and watch us beat the hell out of Georgia tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charles. You're the best. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs>
That's SVPod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Duke, North Carolina, Miami. Are you concerned about Carolina? I am when they face teams that are going to be in the field and basically get punched in the face. Are you concerned about Duke, late game, and their defense? And then probably how good is Miami, both of you guys? I'll start with uh, North Carolina. Uh, this team's perplexing uh, to me. You know, you, you you look on one end, and obviously they're different, new style, four round one, playing through Baycott on the interior, better shooting team. I'm perplexed by how poor defensively they actually are, both in terms of ball containment uh, from the perimeter, allowing guys to be able to get in the lane. And, you know, as we noted last night, Seth, on our halftime show is, you know, 14 turnovers, that's a lot, but it's not like 17, 18. What's alarming is they gave up 30, 30 points off of those turnovers and much of that in the lane. So I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about North Carolina. Uh, not so much about their ability to be able to score the basketball, although they didn't show that last night, but uh, they, they, they just can't guard. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really bad matchup for them. Uh, mm -hmm. As you guys know, Miami essentially plays five out, and they yeah. can really spread the floor. And so that's a, a rough matchup for both Brady Manick and Armando Baycott. Um, yeah. You know, Hubert Davis teaches um, his mantra with this team is uh, is toughness, energy, effort. And against Miami, they had none of those three. Yeah. Um, but they have shown it in other games. Uh, it's clearly not been a consistent thing. But but one of the things about about bad matchups is you can exploit those matchup differences on your end of the floor. Yes. And yes, they Jim. didn't do that. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't pound the ball inside to Baycott. Mm -hmm. they, they they settled for a lot of jumpers. Um, yes. Now, are they always going to miss those like they did against Miami? I mean, they just mired themselves in it. And they look like a baseball player swinging at high pitches over and over again. You know, mm -hmm. after you after you swing and miss a few times and foul a few off, you know, wait till the pitcher throws it down. Mm -hmm. And they, they didn't they didn't do that. Um, but I do I still do think they're a good team. I, one of the things about about Miami and Florida State that was really good for the ACC, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't so like I don't think Coach K is happy with this, but that really helped the league for um, for Miami and Florida State to beat Duke. Agreed, and, uh, because it, it it not only gave Miami and Florida State, uh, you know, the high value wins. Yes. But now a win against Miami and Florida State takes on greater significance. So it, it really, in an odd way, elevated the league. And I think, Seth, you had said something uh, a little bit earlier uh, about about a team. I can't remember what it was like a team. It was uh, te Texas. Texas. Texas actually lost to Kansas State and Kansas State went to a quad one win. By beating Texas, so that's their only quad one win. Yeah, so so a, a team in your league, uh, you know, you have the only way to get a quad one win is is uh, is you lose to a team, you give another team a quad one win in your league, um, uh, and then it, it elevated the win they had over Kansas State earlier to a quad exactly. one win, which wasn't one exactly. at that time. So it was that kind of that kind of thing. Um, I didn't state that very eloquently. Thanks for bailing me out, but. It, you know, it, it like the league, look, it's not going to fix the league. It, it, right. The ACC is not as good as it's been, but yes. it's, it's not, it's not as bad as the non-conference results Correct. paint it to be. And Miami's proven that yes. I mean, Miami's analytics didn't have them in the top 70 two, mm -hmm. uh, two, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And now you're saying that's a top 25 team and they, yep. they vaulted. I, I, I can't, re I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't remember a team that has gone from in a very short period of time, 
from sort of obscure from the analytic standpoint to vaulting yeah. up that high in a short period of time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. you know, they're in very good position. If they finish in the top three in the league, they're going to the tournament. I mean, no and, question. And I think the win over no Duke and, and Carolina basically mm-hmm. cemented that in. They were 232 before in defensive efficiency before they beat Duke. So I think that's where they've improved. I mean, you know, they're going to spread you out. They know more is hard to get in the lane on. We know how experienced they are with all mm-hmm. these super seniors, but they've like, I thought they tried to get the ball to Baycott early in that game. And I thought they did a great job of scraping and digging balls out of and making it, Agreed. making it hard. That's where those turnovers were coming from. And they were just, my yep. was just running right by him. I just don't get it. Duke and Carolina did the same thing. Like, they could have downsized. They could have went a little smaller to mm-hmm. try to get matched up. Instead, Duke maybe more, but even Carolina, they got spread out. And those guys just drove them and got shot after shot after shot. Yeah. Or, or, like, you know, I look at, at Duke last night, same thing against Florida State. I mean, they went zone, which kept it in front a little bit for a while. But if you're not going to be able to guard the ball, yeah. get your heels to the three-point line, keep everything in front, use your size and athleticism and length, Mm-hmm. to force people to stay in front so you can help early, get a hand on a shot. And I, I thought that was Duke. Duke got spread out again mm-hmm. and driven again. Now, look, Butler knocked down four threes, if I'm not mistaken, right. as a seven-footer. Right. My only concern with Duke, and maybe I'm blowing this up too much, but and it, it goes back to the loss to Michigan State. We watched those, those edits we did yesterday, Fonz, where it was against Wake Forest. They ran a couple of special plays just to get Paulo the ball, Yes. One was a, a 5-4 ball screen. He got in the lane, laid it in. One was off a little hawk cut. Like, he's got to get – like, he was great. He's such a good passer. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he can guard, but he's such a good passer. And he's such a good yeah. shot maker. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's got – like, he was the inbounder on that last play, and he could never get the ball back. They've got to get him the ball at the end. Figure, I don't care what they do. Yeah, They've got to get him the ball at the end of games. I think they will. They'll they'll run more ISOs for them and you won't see. I think one of the things and it's it's what's one of the things that's really good about basketball. If this were football, you know, team loses, they're kind of out of it. But, you know, I still think I still think nothing resonates with a player more than losing. And and the best players and the best teams learn while they're winning. Mm-hmm. But but there's something about losing a game that cements some of those lessons into you so that there's an argument to be made that. Some of the, you know, like Duke will be better off in the long yeah. run. Like, look, my going back to Miami just for a second, Miami's done that to Duke in years past where, mm-hmm. where they do a really good job spreading them out. They run all their stuff higher and, mm-hmm. and put them on an island to make them guard. And then they, they you know, all of a sudden help is, is longer. You know, you're mm-hmm. kicking it to shooters. They've got skilled players that can not only shoot it, but they can make individual plays. You know, Larinaga, Jim Larinaga does a, has always done a really good job. good job of that against Duke. That's why his record is so good mm-hmm. uh, against Duke. But but um, I'm not I'm not too worried about him in the long run because mm-hmm. uh, there's still a long way to go, uh, yeah. and they've got all the pieces to to be really good. I just don't. You know, I'll tell you the team that, that there are two teams that impressed the hell out of me. Um, I should say three that impressed the hell out of me the last couple of weeks. One is Gonzaga because their offense is, yeah. is operating at a level that, that we saw last year. Yeah. And uh, I think it was like three games in a row. They scored like 60 points in the first half. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous yeah. watching them play. And yeah. it wasn't like they were playing against Schle- uh, Schleps either. No, they they, they yeah. took BYU apart and BYU is mm-hmm. good. Um, the other is Kentucky. 
Yeah. Like Kentucky is getting way better. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm blown away by how good Ty Ty Washington is. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's complete. He's a complete yeah. player. And, you know, people say, well, he had a quiet 17 points and a quiet six rebounds and a quiet five assists. And I'm like, quiet. That yeah. is that. No, it's mature. Agreed. Um, and poised. Yeah. And the other's Auburn. Uh, yeah. Like I was, we're, we're, we've all been kind of breaking tape down of Auburn and that, that yeah. flex uh, stuff they're running, Step back. you know, the old Carol Williams, yep. Tom Davis yep. stuff, you know, going yep. back to Pete Newell. Um, yep. It is, it is awesome the way they run it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, they got Walker Kessler, they can have him up top, see over the defense. Mm-hmm. They can, you have Jabari Smith setting that, that little flex screen, and then he can either duck in or pop out. It is really hard to guard it, You know, you could argue it's simple, but oftentimes the simple stuff well executed is the hardest to guard. It's really impressive. So you mentioned Ty Ty. Uh, it, it, we, we've had a few players throughout the country now who all of a sudden a major player goes out like Xavier Wheeler did, and he steps right in. And I, and, and I think I, I think that built his confidence. I mean, mm-hmm. Tay Dude had 17.17 assists. That's ridiculous. And, and, he, and he plays so under control, makes almost like the perfect read of ball screens no matter where he's at, and you can't speed him up. And so uh, that, that was his reckoning moment. And uh, as I think of Paolo Bancaro going back to Duke, uh, I, I was I was really pleased with him because in money time he was down in the post and he was want, he was really wanting the ball. And it was interesting, Jay. Seth pointed this out er, earlier uh, on that very last possession. I thought he did what many freshmen would do. I thought he deferred because I, I could see that Coach K wanted him to get it. And, then, and I remember him pointing over the window, basically, you take it. And initially, I didn't know how to read that one. I thought maybe he was thinking, get it over half court and have window, get it back to him. But he never went over his direction. So as I look at that, is I, I, I do feel that that's a growing moment for him, a growth moment for him, too, is you're the best player on that team. We need you to take the we, we need you to take uh, that, that last shot. And to your point, Jay, another team that I've been impressed with is Texas Tech mm-hmm. for the same reason. They're, they're playing without Kevin McCuller, arguably their best player here, Terrence Shannon. And, and they're just kicking every <laughs> – they're just kicking everybody's butt. We know their defense is really good. Uh, they, they've had some key contributions from key guys, and I think it's going to expand their depth. I still think they'll struggle to score a little bit, but I do think those two guys being out has allowed some other guys like Bryson Williams, who, who while those guys were out, were really starting to play well. I think he had 20 points. Uh, and in the last five games, he's had two 20-point outings. And I think that's just going to help them uh, be deeper, which is going to make them a tougher out in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You know, another guy that's really impressed me is uh, it, it, that doesn't get the the publicity for it is Julian Strother of, of Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, that dude is good. And, really uh, good. yeah, he rebounds his position. He's got size. He can shoot it and drive it. Good passer. Yeah. Um, he's one of the more underrated players uh, I've seen this year. He's kind of like Corey Kispert 1.0. I mean, he's doing a lot of those things that Kispert yeah. did. He's not Kispert yet, obviously, but he'll tell you, he's going to develop into it. And he can really guard. All right, we'll finish up with these two teams. Oregon, they go in back-to-back top five wins on the road. Uh, played, you know, to be honest with you, he, you know, Dana talked to – I literally talked to him right before the, the UCLA game, and he said, I've changed everything. He said, I'm going dribble handoff, dribble handoff, open up the floor, keep those big guys. We had him handling the ball. They can't handle the ball. I was stubborn. Uh, our best players are kind of downhill drivers and guys that can make plays. You said you're going to see us do a bunch of dribble handoff 
and and maybe every once in a while bring one of those guys up for a ball screen. He said, but we're going to keep those guys around the basket. And all of a sudden, Will Richardson in the last five games is like 17 points, shooting the hell out of it. And those Mm -hmm. big guys now are playing off penetration, every once in a while getting a roll, maybe catching on the baseline and making a quick play. I've been I've been really, really impressed with you know, Dana's like a he's like a mad scientist. I mean, he just he figures it out. And then I thought per, the Purdue Illinois game was just a yes, a high level mm-hmm. game. Uh well coached, really hard played, had a physicality to it, but it had a, a flow to it. Uh, and I thought the post action, the two things that blew me away in that game, the post action late in the game with Trayvon Williams and Hunter getting back screen four for those layups and those, uh, those dump offs. And then that back screen dribble handoff stuff they did with Sasha Stefanik, that stuff, that, they just run, Purdue runs high level offense and they execute the hell out of it. Uh, that, they, that, that game blew me away. Yeah, they, I think they're they, the best team. I think they're oh, the best no question. team. No question. But, but the one thing they have to do uh, a better job of is finishing out games. Like yeah. if you're if you're looking at the Purdue perspective, that should not have gone to overtime. They should have won that game in regulation, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, because they had it right there, and that's been true of their Rutgers game. Um, I, I, I think they need to, to close out some games a little bit better, and I think they will. But they've got they've got everything, and Matt Painter is one of the elite coaches yeah. in the game. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of them. And, yeah. and I think they're going to continue to get better. But, but a couple of things really kind of blew me away with Illinois. One is having Andre Curbelo back yeah. makes them a legit contender. He's a, he's a difference maker. And then uh, Alfonso Plummer transferred in. Um, he's got the right name because uh, that left-handed plumber uh, finds Drano a lot. <laughs> yeah. Do we need to be my, my, my concern with them, Jay, and it's been obvious. They're, they're, and, it, and it makes sense, obviously. Kobe Coburn's, I mean, dude's top five in scoring in the country, top five in rebounding. But they, when he goes out of the game, they change dramatically. Yeah. And that would be my one concern about them in the NCAA tournament. Unlike Purdue, of course, Zach Eady gets in foul trouble. You can just bring in an All-American and Travion Williams. They don't, Illinois doesn't have that luxury. And so that's my main concern for them. I, they're definitely a second weekend team. And I want to say that they're an elite 18, but that lack of depth at the at the center position, just someone who can maybe block shots and screen and get on the offensive glass would be helpful. And they don't have that guy. That's my main concern. Yeah. They can play those three guards together. I'll tell you when Carbello's playing with Plummer and Trent Frazier, and they can even slide Demonte Williams to four because he's yeah. that dude is tough. Agreed. I think those are three guards. I mean, Trent Frazier is good. He's knocking down shots. He's so physical. Carbello played with such, I guess the word is joy. I mean, Carbello just, you could see he was healthy and felt good about himself. And I mean, that, how about the look away pass? He hit that look away bounce yeah, pass. Yeah, definitely. Hit. But Ooh, to Fonzo's point, I mean, can you believe Brad Underwood didn't recruit two Kofi Coburns? I mean, what a schlep. Why didn't he think of that? Man, Thank I you, Jay. I Thank Absolutely you. unacceptable. Uh, he's not bald. <laughs> he's not bald, so we shouldn't expect that from him. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when, we, when we reconvene, we will have a winner of the Kentucky-Auburn game, which will be one of the great games of, of the – basically in a preseason and if people pay attention, not only can you see bald men on campus, the television show on the ACC, but <laughs> college game day, I think we're going to have a little breakdown of that Auburn Kentucky matchup and spend mm-hmm. a little time talking about that, getting mm-hmm. deeper into the weeds. So I think that'll be a lot of fun.
Hey, yes. Seth, how much would a statue of you at Fairleigh Dickinson cost? <laughs> if you'd like to make a contribution, we're collecting them right now. <laughs> hey, I saw Billis's jersey hanging at Cameron. I hung it up there. Bathroom. It was in case bathroom, but I mean, it's all right. <laughs> I had my own private ceremony. I broke the window. I had a Jay Billis cookie. I love when it. we went to Cameron the one time that Wendy brought us. So yeah, much like me as a player, it crumbled easily. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely, by the way, just how Wendy, that was one of the best cookies I've ever had. I really, really appreciated that. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, college game day uh, this week. We're from Bristol. Jane, you're going to be in Syracuse, right? Yeah, I'll be Durham. Syracuse too. Yeah, I'll be in Durham for that yeah. one. And then next week, we will be at the Fog, which is pretty exciting. God, I can't wait for that. Back on the that's road. Awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be a lot awesome. of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Yes, hey, yes. you know what's great? Hey, you know what the greatest thing about going on the road is Fonz? What's that? Go spice dinner. Yeah. <laughs> separate tables though. Might not be separate checks. I promise it'll be separate tables. <laughs>